Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. And we are thrilled, as always, to be back in the studio with you recording another exciting episode. This time, we've got Halloween Havoc 1997 to talk about. We've got a little bit of uh, fun and adventures out there in the land of uh, the wrestling autograph uh, fan cons to talk about. And uh, Rich has a new microphone, so he's excited to uh, explore it with you and and, uh, let you hear his dulcet tones. Hello. Hello. <laughs> tell tell him what you're tell him what you're working with, Rich. Uh so I am now working with the uh Amazon Basics clone of the Blue Yeti microphone oh, that I picked up yeah. for like 50% off the other day and uh I'm liking it so far. It's it's going to make me have to invest in some acoustic material for the basement here probably, but uh i'm i'm digging it because it also has built-in monitor live monitoring so i can hear myself finally while i talk to you and that is really exciting <laughs> it sounds good i like it sound good i think i feel like we should sing a little uh teddy pentagrass or something or maybe um and now <laughs> the end is near that's not teddy and P. so i face that final curtain oh yeah I'm going to have to upgrade. You're going to outpace me. I know. The ladies are going to start paying way more attention. We can't have that. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Coming to you live from the basement. So, uh, yeah. So we we thought, you know, Halloween's coming up. It's my favorite holiday. You're, it's the only holiday we're allowed to, like, go around and, like, ask people directly for candy. Um and so, dress up like idiots. And dress up like idiots. You can wear drag if you want to. I mean, you can wear drag whenever you want, honestly. But, like, it's it's extra encouraged this time of year. So we thought it would be good to dig into the Halloween Havoc. So we did a little research. Halloween Havoc 1997 seemed like a good one to bring to y'all. So that's what we've got. But f- before we get into that, um, Rich has been out and uh, meeting some wrestling folks, meeting some of our heroes, meeting his all-time favorite wrestler of all time. Oh, my God. And I, you know, obviously we're talking about Doink the Clown. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so uh, uh, I mixed yeah. you up. Yeah, I went to uh, Celeb Fest 5 here in Millersville, Maryland, and it was a real good time. Um, first of all, I paid an extra $5 to get in a half hour earlier than other people, and that paid off dividends. As our tickets said that Bret Hart wasn't getting there until one o'clock. Um, but I, um, we are standing around at like 1145 and the event doesn't technically start until noon, but we're standing around 1145 and there's only about 10 or so people already lined up at Brett's table. Cause I mean, we got an hour and a half before he's showing up and we just happened to look over and there's Brett walking in the back door. Hell yeah. And he sits down and starts signing. <laughs> and so suddenly we're, we're right up there in line with, like for him, like no real weight. Um, I mean, nothing that I would consider a real weight for him considering uh, the other talent that was there. Um, so I had paid for the sharpshooter VIP package. <laughs> oh shit. Which is uh three autographs and a photo op. And he puts you in a sharpshooter at the end, right? 
He does. Um, I tapped out very quickly. Um, yeah, me. Yeah, I would tap out too. <laughs> uh, but no. So we, um, when he is signing uh, your 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 stuff, uh, he invites you to sit down next to him. Oh. And um, so I sat down next to him. And he noticed that I had a 1995 souvenir program from the Survivor Series that year where he he wrestled Diesel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have him sign the the program uh, for that. That's one of my three autographs. And I have him sign that program. And he just starts telling me that. So that they had diesel stand up on a box during the Photoshop, but during the photo shoot of, of the program, because um, they wanted diesel to look even taller than, than Brett though. Diesel actually isn't that much bigger than Brett. So, but they wanted to accentuate uh, the height difference. Then he asks me what I thought of the match. And, (laughs) Uh, I told him that it was it was an all right match, but I had already seen him wrestle Diesel at the 94 King of the Ring. And that's when he starts dropping bombs. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's when uh, Mr. Mr. Hart says, uh, I made him look too good that night. And um, that made management think that he was ready for a title push and a title run. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, he just wasn't ready. He was just too young, too green still, and wasn't ready for that kind of pressure. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, like he's this, he's this, he's this, <laughs> is this real life? Is this real life? Yeah. Right. And then, um, he asks me what my favorite match of all time for him is. And I kind of panicked and I said his match with Mr. Perfect at the 91, uh, SummerSlam. And he's just like, that's the match that made me. That was a real good one. I'm really proud of that one. And um, so then he signs the, the the Bret Hart sunglasses like everyone else was having him sign. And then uh, my friend Mike, who had come with me, I let him have the third autograph on a on a program. Or no, he got a he got the WWF magazine right after Bret first won the title um, signed. And then uh, Bret you know, poses with the photo where we're both making fists. And then he actually like turns to me and shakes my hand and like looks me dead in the eye and says, thanks. Thanks for being a fan. Oh man. Like what? Are you kidding me? Like I I feel, I feel like I probably would have just broke down in tears at that point. I was very close. Like I was shaking a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Just because, like I, I had already gushed to him that like you were my favorite. Like I, I watched you like every week on Monday Night Raw. It was incredible. I, I just watching you work and and all your stuff is just amazing. Um, and I couldn't believe that like I got that much time with him. Like yeah. while he signed all my stuff, I just got to sit there with him, and then to actually shake my hand and thank me. 
Man, I don't. I did, I probably would have panicked. Like if you like, what's your favorite match? I would have been like, uh, I like that time you wrestled Kamala on the Whack 'em Smack 'em video <laughs> compilation. <laughs> I would have frozen up. I mean, I probably would have spit. I mean, that Mister Perfect. That was an excellent choice. That's a yeah. I com- I commend you on being able to pull that one out of your brain pan. Yeah, um, I I also I, did mention the uh, his match with Owen at WrestleMania ten, yeah. and he kind of shit. He, he got a little quiet. When I said yeah. that, and then we then the conversation moved on. Yeah, um, I, that's still got to be hard for him. Yeah, you know, um, I probably would have defaulted to uh, him and Austin at thirteen, right? But like, that's the mm-hmm. one probably that most people say, and like, I would felt like a loser afterwards, and I would have probably just jumped off of a bridge. Um, so, so yeah, I got the meet Brett, and so that was top notch. And but right before we met Brett. I went over um, the very first person I went to because there was no line for either one of them. Uh, so first I went to Jimmy Hart, mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Hell yeah. That dude, boy, <laughs> um, he was so cool. And um, so he first, like, instead of like telling him that I liked his managing and stuff like that, I immediately went for the, I love your theme music. I, your theme music is <laughs> iconic to the WWF and it was such a brilliant move on their part. And he tells me this story. He immediately is like, thank you, man. Thank you. Let me tell you. <laughs> He's like, so Vince gave us incredible uh, uh, abilities to just be as open and creative as we wanted to. So Dusty comes to me. Doesn't even call him Dusty Rose. It says Dusty. Yeah, Dusty. Dusty comes to me. You mean Dusty uh, <laughs> McGill? Right, Dusty uh, McGill. No. Dusty comes to me with ideas for his song, and he first he says, "Baby, I want a black woman, black <laughs> black woman singing." And he's like, "All right, all right, I want horns." All right. Now Jimmy's got an amazing Dusty impersonation. <laughs> I imagine. And then, and then he's like. And and baby, I want a I want a cowbell that's that's going a cowbell and and Jimmy tells me, all right, Dusty, do you just want to write this damn song yourself? <laughs> uh, and then like he, since there's no there's nobody else in the line, you know, there's nobody waiting for Jimmy, and it's mm-hmm. uh, we're we're VIPs right now, so there's plenty of time to just hang out. Uh, he he then has me. I get to hold the megaphone. Oh, man. Uh, and then he's like, all right, man, I want you to pretend that you're screaming at my face in the megaphone. I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, like that was his idea to do, you know? And so then after I'm finally done, like gushing over Jimmy Hart and his music um, right next to him at the table is doink and dink. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so who's under that doink makeup for the, the- Obviously, Matt Port- Matt Osborne is not with us anymore. I don't uh, know. I don't know which joint. <laughs> I suspected it was Ray Apollo. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. And the the Dink is is the only one and only Dink, and he's also been the he was also like uh, the Mini Macho Man at one point, and a bunch of other um, well known um, little person gimmicks that the WWF had used over the time period. Um, he was very cool. Dink was very cool. Something, <laughs> something had irritated Doink. Doink was not a happy clown that day. Oh, as, 
at least at that point in time, he was, he was, he didn't really talk. He didn't. So like, I couldn't, I couldn't talk to him about like anything. And then like, also I know that there's been like four different doinks. I don't know which doink I'm talking to. So I can't be like, I loved it when you pulled out that lead pipe arm and beat crush (laughs) with it. It's a very good chance that it wasn't him. That was probably Matt Osborne, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Probably Matt Osborne. And then I don't know if he was maybe the second doink under the ring at WrestleMania nine. I don't know. I don't know what any, I don't know who it is. So there's, I, I can't talk to him. WrestleMania nine was Steve Kern. Um, and then Steve Lombardi, obviously the Brooklyn brawler picked up to 93 to 96 and 98, 2005, seven, 10, 12, 16. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, crazy. If, if it was Steve Lombardi, he would have been there as the Brooklyn brawler. There's no, uh, yeah, for sure. So, and I would have loved that. Like that would yeah. have been spectacular. It's um, like trying to suss out the membership of like Menudo or something. Right? right. Like it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we had, so it was a very quick, quick interaction with them. And then like, uh, Jimmy Hart, like notices that I'm wearing my Danhausen shirt mm-hmm. and he's like, are you going to go over and meet Danhausen later? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I plan to. He's like, make sure you tell him that I love him. <laughs> that, that guy's got it. I like him. I like him a lot. Make sure you tell him I like him. Like, All right, Jimmy. I certainly will. Like, hey, Dan Housen, Jimmy yeah. Hart says, what's up? <laughs> now, I, I did I did then eventually go over and, and do the photo op and, and autograph with Dan Housen. And I got to tell you, I get it. I get it now. He is, there's something about meeting him. He's very charismatic and very friendly and very appreciative of the fans that come up to him. Because uh, I came up to him and I was like, I'm a late convert to the Danhausen thing. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You're here now. You're right here with me right now. And then, um, after the, then like we did the photo and he was like, which autograph, which, which, uh, which promotional photo do you want signed by me? And I pick one out and, um, he signs it and he's like, thanks for watching. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Thanks for, you know, coming to talk to me and like shakes my hand and does like the whole like thing, like Bret Hart did. I'm like, okay, I understand now. I know. <laughs> I understand why your fans love you. Like, yeah, you're incredibly friendly and very nice uh, and appreciative. So, was he doing the voice the whole time or was he like talking his regular voice? No, he talked in his normal voice. Yeah. Um, so what's that yeah. I'm Dan Hatton. It was weird. No, he didn't talk like that. It was kind of weird. Um, and then, uh, right next to him was orange Cassidy. And so I overpaid and got orange Cassidy's photo. (laughs) And there was a fun little interaction with orange Cassidy. And that was, so he's like, hold on, I'll come out from behind the table for your photo. And I was like, Oh, well, I really appreciate that effort. And he's like, well, sometimes I'll get up. (laughs) (laughs) That's me at work. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was, uh, and then the final table that I went over to uh, was I went over and met Farouk himself, Mr. Ron Simmons. Oh yeah. Um, had a sh- like, so that was a nightmare. So I'm stuck next in line for him when like Doink comes over and the Godfather comes over, Charles Wright comes over, and uh, X Pac comes over, and they just all start shooting the shit, and I'm just like standing there like. I mean, I understand. So, like, I got these weird photos of, like, Doink the Clown, Justin Bradshaw Layfield, Farouk, The Godfather, 
and X-Pac like all standing around talking. It's funny. Yeah. And Mick Foley. Oh, I forgot to mention that Mick Foley was there and I met Mick Foley and he was very kind and nice, but moving the line along. So yeah, uh, there's not much story to talk about meeting him. So you're just like hanging out like a third wheel, like a spare prick at the wedding, like they say. Yeah. But then after, after they all settle down, um, I get to sit down next to Ron Simmons and he's signing my picture and then we're doing the photo. And I just like, you know, I really like that match with you and Vader. And he's like, yeah, I watched that match once a month. (laughs) (laughs) As well. He should as well. He should. It's like, it's a damn good one to watch. And I like slapped him on the shoulder and he laughed a little bit. And now Ron Simmons and I are best friends. Are you waiting on your Christmas card from him? (laughs) Yeah, that'll happen. Um, he JBL just, almost got in our photo, but he was like, wait, did you get a photo of both of us? I was like, no, I didn't. He's like, all right. And he backed, <laughs> backed away. <laughs> He's like, all right, I guess I don't have to charge you. Yeah. Man. Well, that sounds like an amazing day. I'm, I'm supremely jealous that you got to meet our hero doink. No, I mean, Bret Hart, um, and have that sort of conversation with him. That, that kind of thing is, uh, is really special. So I, I, I'm really glad that you got to do that. Um, I think actually, I think, you know, so I, I'm obviously I would have loved the chance to meet Bret Hart. Um, but I feel like in terms of people, I would really like to just shoot the shit with like Jimmy Hart has to be up, up there <clears throat> in a top three or four. He just seems like a guy who would talk to you about whatever, right? Like, yeah, I definitely felt like if, if I would have like, if, if, if I had just run into him on the street and said, you know what, I love your music. I love, I love your work. And, and he just would have told me the dusty story. And then would have been like, you know, man, I passed this bar down the street. You want to go down that back down to that bar? I'm like, yes, I do. You'd yes. be like, man, man, do you ever see Dan Housen? I like that guy. Tell him if you ever see him, tell him I said, he's all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you didn't get to mention the um, oh. demolition music. Did you? Uh, no, I mentioned the Shawn Michaels music to him, obviously, but like, I, yeah. it was more like this, like I told him that like, I thought the move was genius. Cause he, and he was like, yeah, the music was too, music's too damn expensive. And so I was like, yeah, it, it, Vince got a bargain just paying you to write stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And his partner, uh, right. And those guys are both musical yeah. geniuses. Yeah, for sure. So if you didn't see it, uh, WrestleMania pod at WrestleMania pod on Twitter is our, um, Twitter account. I posted some of rich, Rich's pictures there. Uh, I know he posted some of them to our Facebook account. You can search for all the WrestleManias. Did you put any of them on the um, Instagram account by any chance? Uh, I don't think I did, but I can probably okay. do that later at some Meh. point here. They're out there. Take a look. You'll see him yelling at the megaphone uh, at Jimmy Hart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and hanging out with Brett and Ron Simmons and Doink and Mick Foley and... Um, yeah, what a what a great day! I'm glad you got a chance to do that. I, I just sort of, I'm gonna just gonna experience it vicariously through you. Yeah, it was um, a great time. I'm gonna tell people that I met Bret Hart. It's it's the same thing. It's fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so uh, Celeb Fest Five that was in uh, Millersville, Maryland. They're coming back. When are they coming back? In the spring, probably. Uh, February is the next one, and it's oh, wow, gonna be okay. in it's gonna be in Westminster. And uh, uh, but like you know, after meeting Bret Hart. Brett freaking Hart, I, I don't know who they're going to be able to get to draw me to go, at this yeah. point. And so far, Who's... they've only announced Christian and and Trish Stratus for the next one. Mm. I'm just like, uh, that's not enough to make me drive to Westminster. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, 
maybe the ghosts of Scott Hall or the ghost of Kurt Hennig. Um, now the one that'll maybe. get me is Kevin Nash. If Kevin oh, Nash is there okay. so that I can get him to sign the other side of yeah. that program from the 95 survivor series and then get him to talk shit about Brett to me, <laughs> I think I'm in. Be like, you know, I was hanging out with Brett outside of Baltimore and he said, he said just, you weren't ready. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you're a six foot 10 pile of donkey dung. That's what he said. <laughs> he said it in a nice way. Cause he was Canadian, but you know, yeah. He then apologized after saying it. Sorry. <laughs> did you, uh, did you, did you pick up Brett's Canadian accent or not so much? Oh yeah. It's there. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Why? Thanks for sharing your stories. Sure. Um, if you've met uh, any of those folks out and about, you know, send us, shoot us an email, find us on Twitter at WrestleMania pod, track us down on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and all the WrestleManias. Send us your, uh, send us your Bret Hart, your Mick Foley, your Doink the Clown. Maybe you met the original Doink Clown. You should tell us about it. Uh, Rich, Rich would be super excited about that. Um, so I guess I, I guess it's time to move on to Halloween Havoc. You ready to talk Halloween Havoc? Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's from October 26, 1997, Paradise, Nevada. It's a suburb of Las Vegas. Uh, and the MGM Grand Garden Arena had a uh, attendance around 12,460-ish. Uh, and the, the tagline for it is Snap into the madness. Ooh, Be- yeah. Because this is not just Halloween Havoc, Rich. This is Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. The uh, night it, will change wrestling. <laughs> Spicy meat snacks brings you the wrestling. And they, yeah, they, it is so slim gemmed. Like everything <laughs> is so slim gem. Like they actually put slim gem ads wrapping the the ring posts yeah. with pads that say slim gem on them. And there's slim gem stickers on the matte canvas. Uh it's it's very Slim Jimmy and the Slim Jim like logo is in the Halloween Havoc logo on the set. Um, and like they have all these fake tombstones around the set. And I'm pretty certain that those are just customers that have died choking on Slim Jims or from Slim Jim related illnesses. It's quite possible. Yeah. Uh, Slim Jim related. Uh, I don't know. All kinds of problems they can cause you. Or they're they're a fine meat snack product. Slim Jim, if you want to sponsor this podcast, we're open to it. Ooh yeah, snap to a Slim Jim. <laughs> Rich has all kinds of digestive problems, so he probably can't eat your spicy meat snacks. But I will eat enough for both of us. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to out your uh, <laughs> out, out your medical uh, conditions on the podcast. Mm, I think we've discussed my inability to process gluten before. And the the <laughs> lactose intolerance that comes along with it that yeah. I don't care about. Um, anyways, well, yeah, and all the indigestion and the tomato products and the whatnots. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> this is a hell of a show. Um, so all on commentary I can eat is cardboard. That's all I can eat. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. Listeners, send cardboard for Rich. Don't put any salt on it, please. He can't no. take it. So commentary for this one is Tony Schiavone, who's like. 10 here uh bobby the brain heenan and dusty Rhodes. oh yeah the, baby yeah <laughs> the inimitable dusty Rhodes. he sounds amazing he is the john madden of pro wrestling announcing it's so good 
It's so good. He's he's amazing in this. He talks specific and generally all at the same time, and it's very confusing a lot of times <laughs> what he's saying. But baby, he's there, and he is charismatic as hell. Yeah. Oh my god. And his accent is just is un. It's not um. It's not inimitable because a lot of people can imitate it, like Jimmy Hart, for example, and like uh, Jim Cornette. A lot of a lot of people who spent any time with the man can do his 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 patter right but like there's there's still only one i don't think they let you leave wrestling school without a dusty <laughs> impersonation you got to be able to do something that's why i didn't make the cut yeah yeah it's, i just can't get that that weird lisp and southern accent at the same time it's kind of hard it's crazy i love yeah. it i love everything about it if there's any um like actual ethical important use of technology i think it should be to get us uh, to like some sort of automated commentary in a Dusty Rhodes voice on all modern wrestling. I wonder if I could, if at some point, if they'll make like Alexa talk in a Dusty Rhodes accent, like <laughs> Alexa, turn on the living room lights. All right, there, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. <laughs> and they turn on. Sometimes you turn on the living room lights and they don't know what you're talking about, baby. <laughs> I've done with kings. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, so uh, the show is in Vegas, right? Um, yeah, in Vegas. How, how many of these seats do you think are comped? I, so the MGM Garden Arena. So yeah, so I looked this up. It's it's in the MGM, but at the time, it's still technically classified as Paradise, which is kind of like the southern end of the Strip, right? So it's just like yeah, it's it's on the Strip, but uh, especially in '97, it's kind of getting towards the outer edges i don't know maybe a good maybe a good quarter of them probably yeah if i had to guess it's a very small place when you watch it on the on the tape so it's uh yeah it's i don't know do you uh have anything about wcw 97 that you wanted to mention i know you're usually the history guy yeah i mean this um, is one of the one of the early nwo uh earlier in the nwo promo they haven't completely uh ruin wcw yet <laughs> yeah so the main event is is mainly set up by roddy piper showing up saying that he's not fighting for anybody except for wrestling he's not a wcw guy he's not a anything he doesn't care about the nwo or anything like that he's just there to kick hulk hogan's ass like wcw still isn't doing much uh as much or as complicated storytelling as wwf is doing at this time and their shows are chock full of more wrestling. Uh, as you can tell by the way this pay-per-view starts, they're just like, this is Halloween Havoc, baby, blah, 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 blah. And here we go, first match. Uh, they don't uh, fuck around with a 20-minute <laughs> video package explaining why they're fighting. Uh, they don't do anything like that. There's a few promos or something like that, but it is, it's go time. And you have a definitely like a different uh, package here because th this pay-per-view highlights a lot of things that WWF really isn't doing such as cruiserweights and Japanese strong style. And, but then also really familiar names. So like, I mean, I guess for example, I could even say that like my dad watched a good portion of this pay-per-view with me one day while the child's child took a nap and he recognized almost everybody on the card. Yeah. And that is that is something to be said. He's so he's from the older school of watching wrestling. And so like he was like, oh, wow, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, 
um, and Piper, like Lex Luger, Kurt Hennig, Ric Flair, like Savage. Yeah, the it's it's a weird. The card is weirdly balanced because it does have some new guys in it, some young talent that's mm-hmm. going to be up and coming. Um, and it makes you sit there and just wonder, like, how the hell did WCW blow it? Is <laughs> how? Yeah, no, this is clearly from the period where they had kind of lured away some of the talent from the WWE, right? They got they got Heenan, they got Okerlund, they got Perfect, they got Flair, they got uh, Scott Hall, they got Randy Savage, they got um, Hulk Hogan, and it's just it's hit after hit, right? Like they uh, they're yeah. they're all in, and then you know what's interesting to me is like then you've also got these guys who made it big on WCW, who also became huge stars in WWE, like Jericho, like Eddie Guerrero, like Rey Mysterio, um, Jacqueline even in the women's division. Um, so there's kind of a bit of a back and forth, uh, which is very interesting to me. So this is a, yeah, I know this is a sort of a weird um, kind of inflection point in sort of the, yeah. the history of the the Monday Night Wars and the two major uh, promotions kind of, yeah, they're, they're sort of on equal footing at this point, right? Because like 97... Um, they're beating WWF in the ratings at this yeah, point pretty badly. Yeah. And one of the big things that WCW does that WWF doesn't do at this time is that WCW hammers away at the word wrestling. This is wrestling. Mm-hmm. We're watching wrestlers wrestle in a wrestling ring. Like they, they're just punching away at the vocabulary almost mocking the vocabulary that WWF uses of like superstars and sports entertainment. Uh, This is wrestling. This is a wrestling show and a wrestling program. Um, I think I don't at this point though, Eric Bischoff has left the commentary booth because he is revealed as an NWO member. Um, So the whole, like this is where the big boys play uh, phrase, which is what WCW launched Nitro with. Uh, is kind of kind of faded away, but this is still a wrestling show. Wrestling takes the forefront and isn't most important here, as opposed to if you watch a WWF show at this time, uh, it's it's all storytelling. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you can tell that uh, to an extent too. But we've got Ms. Kurt Hennig instead of Mister Perfect. We've got Scott Hall instead of Razor Ramon. We got even Randy Savage in place of the Macho Man. You know, like. Um, We've got folks using their real quote unquote names uh, right. as opposed to these sort of uh, gimmicks. Um, and the ones who are sort of wrestling with with gimmicks like Ultimo Dragon are part of a different tradition uh, and using that as kind of their their launch pad there. So, right. no, it's, it's a it's an interesting show. I don't know. Uh, I've, I've mentioned before that yeah, I know you watched much more Nitro and such than I did. Um, and I I didn't really log on to the. Uh, WWE stuff and still until like Stone Cold really started to hit. So this is kind of like this is a little bit of my blind spot, honestly. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, I mean, I never watched any of the WCW pay-per-views. Um, I never ordered them. They were never I was never really interested in them. And that was honestly because uh, I felt that WCW was doing like 11 or 12 pay-per-views a year at this point. And so <laughs> is this like it's just too much. It's too much. Um, and WWF had jumped in with doing the in your house pay-per-views. And I think they're a little, they're past them being in your houses at this point, but still it's just, it was too much wrestling and you, I had to choose and I always went with WWF if I was going to order a pay-per-view. 
but yeah, you can, you can, this is the, also another big difference is that this show is under three hours, but there is nine matches. Yeah. They're hustling. Yeah. So <laughs> that's too many pay-per-views, baby. That's too many, baby. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I didn't take a ton of notes for this one. Um, maybe we can skim through some of these matches. Uh, the first one on the card was uh, Yuji Nagata with Sonny Ono uh, versus Ultima Dragon. It's a singles match. I don't know that I wrote anything down for this match now that I think about it. I mean, they this match went on a little longer than I would have expected, but I did enjoy this match. I, I did notice right away because we've been watching WWF so much lately that this ring is so bouncy. Yeah. Uh, they it's almost like a trampoline and so like it made me start thinking about like uh jim Cornette's comments about how wwf's ring just took like 10 years off of everybody's career uh <laughs> just because it was so hard yeah. um these guys moved real fast uh, nagata had a beautiful suplexes um and there was something happening in the crowd and then it was uh that guy raven showed up with his misfits or whatever they're called and it was just like i don't understand what's happening but okay um they these guys are working very tight as well very very uh snug as stone cold would call it uh there were some serious kicking happening very daniel bryan like kicks happening or i yeah. guess i should say brian danielson nowadays uh brian danielson kicks um leaving marks and definitely like you could see the guys getting a little stunned it was a very strong style very stiff uh type of match and they just keep going and then suddenly uh yuji nagata wins with an arm bar that comes kind of out of nowhere um i was i was taken aback by how quick the finish suddenly came out yeah this i enjoyed this opening match quite a bit even though it's hard to talk about it and it was just because these guys exchanged so much back and forth that it's um but i think the match went like 15 minutes which felt a little long especially yeah. for suddenly an arm bar to come out of nowhere. But <laughs> yeah, um, they're, they're hauling ass throughout. Um, that's uh, also Charles little Nate uh, Robinson referee in this one. Okay. Uh, you may not recognize he looks more or less normal at this place. He doesn't have quite the same, uh, the dyed hair job and stuff. Uh, Mike Tenay stepped in on announcing for this one. After this match, there's an interview with uh, Disco Inferno uh, about his upcoming match with Jacqueline. Um, <laughs> and like, uh, you know, so, oh, you're wrestling a woman, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Jacqueline comes and interrupts the the uh, interview. And I just, I had to ask, like, why the fuck? Why would anyone fuck with Jacqueline? She looked like oh you could, she could, like, turn your shit inside out. Yeah, just give her the belt, man. Just give her the belt. Just hand it over. Just lay down. Done. Just lay down. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also a really great sign in the crowd that says Hogan fears Idaho. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite understand that. And then uh, right in the front row that you see at the beginning of the next match, there's a sign that says Howard Stern rules. Like, yes. Yeah. I was hoping that guy would start screaming Baba Booey at some point, but <laughs> we didn't get one. Were you in Vegas in 1997, Rich? No. Okay. I was uh, 17 years old. I'm not. Right. I've actually never been to Vegas yet, so mm. I do not recommend. It's uh, it looks hot. It's a, it's all right for roughly uh, 48 hours, and then you're like, "Get me the fuck out of this place." I mean, That's... I would only go so that I could see like Wayne Newton, but I don't think he's doing a show anymore. So, did I did I ever tell you the, my Wayne Newton story? No. 
Yeah. So our first trip to Vegas was in like 90, hold on, let's see. So I graduated in college in 99. We were still living in Shippensburg, PA. I had my first job uh, as of summer of 99. And Jackie and I saw this ad in a newspaper. This is just tells you how fucking old we are. There's an ad in a newspaper and it was like, um, package deal to Vegas, stay at the Riviera, which is one of the older hotels. Has that been knocked down since? It's quite possible. The Riviera Hotel was demolished between June and August of 2016. With airfare for some ridiculous low price, we're like, sure, I'll sign up for that. <laughs> this was yeah. also my very my very first time on an airplane, by the way, 1999. Um, so we flew out to Vegas, and we're out there. We're doing our thing. We had a good time. I won enough at Blackjack at Circus Circus to pay for dinner one night, so that was cool. And then we were right up from the Frontier Hotel, and where Wayne Newton had his like his stand, you know, and uh, we're like, well, fuck yeah, I'm going to see Wayne Newton in Las Vegas. So we bought tickets for Wayne Newton. Um, they, they file you into the showroom. So these tables, you sit you at these tables they are maybe 18 inches wide. There's like eight people on each side of the table. So you're like jammed in there. Right. So like, God forbid you have to pee. You're, you're, you just, you just go in your pants cause you're not getting out. Everybody gets two mandatory drinks, right. That you have to pay for. Uh, and, and then the show starts and, um, and Wayne Newton comes out and he was resplendent. Like he was, he was absolutely fantastic. Like, so first he started off with, uh, suspicious minds by Elvis mm. and then, which, you know, which I love. And then during the, you know, sort of the, the, the coda to the song, you know, caught in a trap, we can't walk out cause I love you too much, baby. And you just sing it over and over and over again. During that part, he walked around the entire fucking showroom and kissed every single woman in that showroom no lie like he just kept singing and kissing and kissing and singing and then Did he you finally punch went... him for kissing jackie <laughs> no no i would have kissed him myself i would i was into it With uh, yeah oh yeah nice just lick the whole side of his face mm. um no it was it, it it easily lasted like 15 minutes uh until he finally got back to the uh to the stage uh, and then the show went on from there. The highlight for me was a uh, a version, again, probably took 15 minutes of uh, MacArthur Park. Oh, you know, somebody, yeah, it's a great song. Somebody left the cake out in the rain. Uh, and so, and during the somebody left the cake out in the rain part, this like rainstorm happened on stage, like with a rainbow and like, oh my God, it was, wow. It was fucking incredible. Yeah. Wow. That dude. He his voice was not quite there, but it didn't really matter. He was just he was there and he was like glowing. He was all in white. He had a white suit on. Like the everything about it was was man, I'll never forget it. That was two thousand yeah, that was nineteen ninety nine, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, well, he was like the funniest part in the uh Vegas vacation movie. <laughs> like Beverly D'Angelo. That yeah. was amazing. Why don't yeah. you come out to my house, Shenandoah, and have <laughs> pasta with me? <laughs> Dunk Shane. Anyway, that's my Wayne Newton story. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm jealous. It, it was worth it. I have the ticket stub around here somewhere. I should post it on uh on the Twitter account. Nice. Um yeah. The frontier, the frontier. I think I think it's been knocked down. Hotel that uh, 
Yeah, that's right. The hotel that um, George Carlin got fired from for saying shit uh, in his nightclub oh. act in, in the 60s. So. Wow. Well, are we ready to talk about ghetto versus Chris Oh, I'm Jericho? sorry. I got distracted talking about um, Las in Vegas. The ghetto. Chris Vegas, Chris Jericho versus in the ghetto. He is, uh, yeah, Keiji Takayama is his real name. Um, uh, whatchamacallit, Inst- uh, not Instagram. <laughs> Wikipedia says that Ghetto has been the main booker of NJPW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, since hmm. the early 2010s. Wow. So there you go. That was a famous uh, guy. I know. And Mike Tanay is just like dropping all kinds of knowledge bombs about Chris Jericho's Japanese <laughs> career and his being tag team partner with Ghetto. And uh, it's just... Um, spectacular mike tenay is so great on commentary the info nuggets that he just shoots at you like pellets like you just you just got to grab what he's throwing at you um it's (laughs) it's quite an experience it's it's like the opposite of uh michael cole like you want to hear mike (laughs) tenay tell you all this crazy information like chris jericho had ham and eggs for breakfast this morning uh like he just keeps hammering you away at at with with fact nuggets that it's um pretty amazing uh i thought ghetto looked a bit like if like eddie kingston and guy fieri had a had a kid <laughs> and he decided to also take up pro wrestling mm. that, that's that's kind of what ghetto looks like here donkey um, sauce yeah not not in great physical shape he's wearing a shirt to cover up the folds um the rolls and oh um, like uh like me in the pool when i was like 15 <laughs> Like me still, um, <laughs> uh, you will never see me without a shirt on. Never, <laughs> never. Um, you heard it here first fans. Yeah. And, uh, the, the only real like takeaway out of this match was that there was a really ugly, weird spot that happened from the top rope Jericho trying to do a Hercarana or something like that. And he just like ends up forcing ghetto to do like a, like a, face bump to the to the mat and from the top rope and like jericho landing hard on his stomach like it was just a something didn't happen right there and like all you could hear was like mike tenay go i don't think he got all of that one (laughs) (laughs) like yeah i don't think so either um then jericho wins with the lion tamer because the wcw announcing crew knows the difference between the lion tamer and the walls of jericho thank god yeah thank you for getting those moves right and there was some weird thing where um, Tony makes mention that Jericho got thrown over the rope, over the top rope, and that it should have been a disqualification. But I don't think that was a rule in WCW anymore at this point. So I don't like Tony Schiavone was like just flashing back to to 1988 or something during this match. Um, yeah, he had a stroke, I think there. Yeah, something something didn't didn't stay connected or something, and it was just like time warped back um but anyways chris jericho wins this one in a not very impressive looking match but yeah submission too fast for the guy yeah submission at like uh seven minutes or so um yeah poor poor tony he's he's trying his best so i mean so this is 1997 this year is 2022 it's 25 years he's still fairly confused about what's going on in the ring i don't i don't know Maybe poor Tony. He's doing his best. I still like his his cadence and his voice. So yeah, uh, it's all right. Likeability will get you pretty damn far. Yeah, I gotta say, Uh, the third match on the card is a banger. 
Holy um, shit. God. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so it's Ray Mysterio Jr. dressed in an outfit to make him look like uh, the Phantom from the old comics or serials uh, versus Eddie Guerrero. Both of these guys look like a million bucks. It's a title versus versus mask match for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. These guys are both like just just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, and this match, like, so this is the first. I'll admit I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the first two matches. I don't know what I was doing. Um, this is the first match where I like stopped whatever it was I was doing and, and started paying attention. This match just, makes everything to stop. Uh, uh, holy like, shit. The only, only outside thing that distracted me during this match was the dude that kept popping up on camera that had this absolutely beautiful Papa Shango airbrush sweatshirt. <laughs> I don't know if you caught him. Like he was yeah. constantly standing yeah. up and it was oversized. And like, it's this, this beautiful picture of Papa Shango airbrushed on it. And, uh, uh, but other than that, my God, these guys just don't stop. And they're like, they're moving so fast that they're peeling. They're causing the, the, the slim Jim ads that are on the mat to start peeling up. Yeah. And at one point the ref, like, peels one away and just throws it out of the ring because someone's going to get killed on these things because they're peeling up because Ray and Eddie are just moving nonstop. There's just, it's perpetual motion. This, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful match. This match is worth the price of admission alone by itself. Yeah. It's really, honestly, it's hard to do it justice by talking about it. Uh, I would I would advise you to to look it up on the Peacock. It's about 13, 14 minutes long or so. So it's 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 a decent amount of time, you know, but it, it feels like 30 seconds maybe because, like, these guys are just ugh, at the absolute yeah. top of their game. I love Ray. We've talked about this before. Ray Mysterio is clearly a comic book nerd. If we ever meet him, that's, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk comics because we've he's dressed as Wolverine. He's dressed as Daredevil here. He's dressed as the Phantom. He's dressed as the Joker. He's clearly into nerd culture. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really like the um, the Phantom. Also, he looks like he's like 12 here. Like, I don't know. Yeah, this is he's he. This is uh, just a couple months after the famous uh, spot where uh, Kevin Nash picks him up and throws him like a lawn dart into the production trailer. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, I have seen that on a Nitro, yeah. and it's a it's it's a spectacular moment. But these guys, boy, like they, this is the first match that the crowd is really paying attention to too. Like the crowd gets into this match, every false finish, they're exploding every every bump they're like oh my god like this losing it it's it's uh pretty spectacular um this might be one of the best matches that we've watched for this podcast in my opinion yeah i feel like up to this point the crowd is just kind of like happy to be there like yeah it's halloween it's las vegas it's whatever and then at this point they're like oh shit there's a wrestling thing going on here so uh, is there any uh, moves or exchanges or moments in particular you want to call out there? Or we're just going to tell people to watch it. And, there was uh, just too much action for me to keep notes. Yeah. I like <laughs> I tried I and it just it just didn't happen. And, and I, it's it's uh, similar to that effect that we had with uh, the WrestleMania 25 with Sean versus Undertaker. Like after that match, it was hard to pay attention. And yeah. uh, it kind of happens here a little bit, too. Uh, just there's certain things that I'm interested in, but 
you know, after this match is when the bullshit with Hogan and Bischoff start up and like Hogan's not going to fight unless they sign a promise note that like Sting isn't going to show up during the match and interfere. Like it's just, it's like you're already getting a little tired of the NWO thing here, but um, it, 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 Honestly, in my opinion, the NWO jumped the shark when Eric Bischoff was revealed to be part of it. Like, that was stupid. I didn't, I I don't like that. Like, come on, come on. Uh, anyways, in my opinion, that's when it jumped the shark. And I know that's a lot earlier than what a lot of other people feel. But uh, that I already found Eric Bischoff a bit insufferable and smarmy. And then you make him a heel. And it's just like, oh, my God, I want him to die. Like, for real die. <laughs> Not just... Uh, I don't like him. I don't like him. Like him. Also, from a purely practical standpoint, if it's your promotion, right, and your like your whole livelihood is based on having, you know, these factions that fight each other, whether why would you back one over the other, and why would you back the evil one, bent on destroying all of the stuff? Like that's that's uh, that's counterproductive. It felt a bit Mr. McMahon-ish to me. Like, yeah. But like Mr. McMahon was just an asshole boss. This is him actually like joining a faction trying to destroy things. Like Vince didn't want to destroy the WWF. He just like he just wanted Stone Cold to do what he told him. Um, so <laughs> he, yeah, Bischoff took it a little too far. Um, uh, go watch Ray Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero from Halloween yeah. 97. You won't be disappointed at all. Yeah, for sure. Ray Mysterio wins. He gets to keep his mask. Uh, he gets uh, he gets the cruiserweight belt, right? Right. So that's very exciting. That's great, 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 great. Um, next up is Alex Wright with Deborah Stone Cold's wife, ex-wife, um, versus Steve Mungo McMichael, who I think she was currently married to during this match. <laughs> good times. Good yeah. times. Yeah. Um, some stuff happens. Uh, Alex and Deborah win. Uh, I don't know anything. Uh, well, I mean, so Alex Wright, who's normally like squeaky clean baby face, uh, is suddenly a heel here. I didn't like it. Uh, maybe I, I don't know. I don't understand the storyline that's happening here. Like there's a guy ringside offering Deborah cash. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, I never liked Steve McMichael and his ring stuff. I mean, I don't want to talk ill of the guy just because, like, he has ALS and it's not doing good. And but uh, I just, I just never got it. Uh, and I always liked Alex Wright, but I didn't like Alex Wright in this case. And then for some reason, Goldberg shows up. Yeah, I didn't understand what was and, happening. And beats the shit out of Steve McMichael. Uh, I don't understand how the ref was completely unaware that Goldberg just rolled out and did like the jackhammer slam on Steve McMichael uh, right next to him. And the ref was apparently too distracted by Deborah to notice. I don't understand that. Like that just, it just didn't make sense to me. Uh, but then also Goldberg also turned on Alex, right? Goldberg was the real bad guy through this whole thing. I I don't understand what happened in this match. I don't really care. I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to Google it. <laughs> There's a lot of very confusing stuff throughout this whole pay-per-view. It's probably yeah. best if we just keep moving um, so we can get to the actual good stuff. Um, the next one <laughs> the next one is Jacqueline versus Disco Inferno. Intergender match. Woo, 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 Intergender woo. match. Paging Dr. Jess. Are you out there, Dr. Jess? Um, got one for you to watch. This one's very disappointing. 
It is a little disappointing, except for the fact that Jacqueline is a total badass then, now, and yeah. forever. Um, I wouldn't want to wrestle her. I wouldn't want to even like play like tic-tac-toe against her. I think she would just fucking take my head off. Yeah. Um, she's a complete badass. Good yeah, for her. So, so like the, the championship committee of WCW won't let Disco Inferno's belt be on the line for this because it's an intergender match. Disco Inferno is also not allowed to punch or kick in this match and uh tony and the crew just don't know what to do they're just like how do we call a match between a man and a woman i don't know like you call the action that's yeah. <laughs> like what do you mean you don't know how to call it you you tell us what you see you tell us what you see what is happening in the ring right now you guys right that's all you gotta say and what you see is disco inferno running around to the point to where the stall tactics are just annoying it's not it yeah. it initially builds a ton of heat um but eventually the crowd just gets tired of it and eventually uh jackie does catch him land a suplex on him on the floor and then ddts him in the ring and rolls him up for a pin i would have preferred them to just have a straight match because like again jackie yeah. could beat the fuck out of that guy <laughs> yeah she's such a badass i love her so much we've caught her out on uh i forget which other special it was that we saw but like, oh my God, she's, she's legit. Uh, yeah. So yeah, she's, she's uh, a legit. And I mean, if you ever watch uh, some of the early tough enough seasons where yeah. she, she's a judge, <laughs> like she's the one that everybody is scared of on that show. It's not Al Snow. Yeah. I mean, they're a little scared of Al Snow, but they see Jackie in there putting Al Snow through the stretches and they're like, oh Jesus. Um, so yeah, it's Al Snow and Bob Holly. And then Jacqueline's like the top of the heap. Yeah, yeah, they're all all nervous about Jackie. Jackie is definitely going to hurt somebody and yeah. wants to hurt somebody. So around this time, let's see. So Jacqueline debuted in the WWE, WWF. When I would have seen her, she debuted in '98. Just going to point out that I met my wife Jackie in 1996. Uh, it may not be a coincidence. She beats me up, not physically, just more more emotionally. Um, anyway, it's fine. Do you um, need to, do you need me to call somebody for you? No, I'm good. I'm okay. good. What I'm just saying is I have a lot of respect for people named Jacqueline. You should turn your shit inside out when you need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Disco Inferno, you, you had it coming. Yeah. He's kind of a dick. Yeah. Don't fuck with Jacqueline. Also, they need to bring her back. Where is she? I know. She's, she's legit. Yeah. All right, so we're five matches in, and now we kind of get to, like, the main-ish events here, right? Like, we finally got some title matches. Uh, next up on the card is Kurt Hennig woo uh, yeah. versus Ric Flair woo for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship of the World. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. These guys are... Obviously, two amazing studs. Yeah. I just find every single time I've seen them engage with each other, it's kind of a bit disappointing. I don't know why. But, I mean, they work together well and stuff. But it just, I don't know. This is like every time we see them wrestle each other, it's always like a disqualification and there's chaos with it. Like, they don't, there's never there's never a finish with them. And uh, it gets, it, as a fan, it's a little frustrating. I enjoyed that, like, 
uh, Kurt Hennig came out to the ring wearing Flair's robe with the arms cut off. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and then Flair streaks to the ring like a madman after him because he's so angry and they just go, they just go, they just fight. And like, um, you know, Kurt is doing the classic stuff of working the legs, taking, trying to take Flair's legs out and, you know, Flair is working him. They're working on each other. It's a very old school, old looking match. Yeah. Um, even though Kurt Henning is NWO. Uh, so it's weird to watch this match as Flair is the face, which is kind of, kind of weird. Cause I mean, the four horsemen have always been heel. Yeah. And when they're facing other WCW folks, they're heel, but when they're facing NWO, they're face. And so that's one of the things that I think confuses fans at, at, at this time period too, that there's like, there's like heel face, face and face heel, like kind of like there's like three categories and it's very, it gets a little, little murky. Yeah, for sure. I was, I mean, I was watching and still sort of like looking at us almost like a heel versus heel match, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're right. So Kurt, I mean, both of these guys can, can go, obviously they're like, they're not going to give you a bad match and they, they do all the stuff that you would expect them to do. Um, I will watch literally any Kurt Hennig match you put in front of me. I think that guy yeah. is, yeah, is absolutely, you know, hundred percent one of the most talented dudes to ever do it. Um, but you're right. The, the, sum of the parts doesn't quite add up the way that you would hope to. The, so the finish for this one is Flair hangs, uh, uh, Hennig upside down in the corner in his, I guess he calls it the tree of woe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if that's not enough, he wraps the belt around the dude's face and then kicks it just for good measure. Um, kicks the, uh, sort of the metal plate into Kurt's face and he's, he gets disqualified. Um, and Kurt is, is holding his face and having a, just, just a terrible day. Yeah. And that belt had been in the ring for like five minutes. And I was like, yeah. why isn't the ref just throwing the belt out of the ring? What What yeah. is going on here? I don't well, understand. Even the, even the commentators are like, get the belt out of there. Yeah. It's bad. That's not good. Poor Kurt Herning gets, uh, gets kicked in his face and Ric Flair gets disqualified. Um, anything else to say about this one? No. <laughs> Yeah, I wish this one had been a little bit better. I mean, I was excited to see those guys in the ring together, you know. Um, yeah. But it's kind of like on the Smack 'em Whack 'em DVD that we watched or see VHS that we watched where it was like uh Rick Flair and um Bret Hart in the ring together. Yeah. You know, like I want I want this to be amazing. You know, this should be amazing. And it was kind of like, eh, it's fine. It was a decent match. It yeah, just, it was a decent match, know. right? Yeah. yeah. I didn't hate it. Anyway, next up is uh Lex Luger versus scott hall uh and scott is with six s that is s-y-x-x in case you're wondering and that is uh sean waltman uh formerly well no soon to be known soon to be known as x-pac right and one two three kid lightning kid etc etc uh larry zabisco is here (laughs) as a special guest referee i'm not entirely sure why um we saw him don't forget we saw him in our awa uh special the rest was at the wrestle rock rumble yeah uh, where he he had a ninja hanging out with him um <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff going on with this yeah one. i was very sad that the ninja was not with him here <laughs> that's um, too bad yeah, yeah. No, it really is uh, that's, that's i started that's wondering shame. if like larry zabisco was uh james belushi's stunt double <laughs> he like, totally looks like james belushi <laughs> i think they're related they've got to be related or something yeah 
Um, he wishes he was James Belushi. Yeah, or James Belushi I, wishes he was Larry Zabisco. I'm not sure which. I thought this match was very entertaining, and partially because Larry Zabisco is such a great guest referee. He knows his role. He knows his spot. He knows what to do. Um, and he knows how to play the tough man guest referee. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like, um, uh, I feel like Stone Cold probably watched watched Larry Zabisco do this at some point, and I was like, "That's how I'm going to guest referee for sure." And like, they do a bunch of holds to test Zabisco's fairness because Zabisco was like, "I don't like Scott Hall, but I'm going to be the referee, so I got to call this match down the middle." Um, the match starts off with a great, great, great wave. It starts. And it's uh, Larry is telling Scott to lose the toothpick because <laughs> Scott's got a toothpick in his mouth and one behind his ear. And yeah. so he's telling him to lose the lose the toothpick, lose the toothpick. And finally, uh, Hall gets tired of it and throws the toothpick in Larry's face. But as he does that, Lex Luger sucker punches him and we're off to the races. It's a good it's a good start. Um, yeah. But it, then, you know, Luger gets boring. But like really, the, the thing that is great on this match is uh Larry Zabisco and Scott Hall have amazing chemistry together through this match. There's, there's just something about the tension that they're building between each other that really makes this match watchable. Yeah. And, and, uh, Scott Hall looks like a million bucks here. He like, Oh man. Like, yeah, seriously, we, we've talked about this before, but seriously, what a fucking stud. Why, why any wrestling promotion would let that guy get away is a, a complete mystery to me. Like, He's just, he's so incredible. And you know, it's funny is like, so Jackie's like, my wife was watching this with me. She's like, so is, is this, is he Razor Ramon here? I'm like, no. She's like, how is he different? I'm like, uh. So he's not. And that's the whole great <laughs> thing. That's, that's, that's exactly what they built the NWO off of was that yeah. the yeah. NWO presented this false um, presentation that the WWF was, in, was invading. And so he stayed in the Razor Ramon character, but didn't call himself that. He just kept doing yep. the voice. And it was to the point that WWF sued WCW over it. Yeah. But he, like, that was the whole point that he did that. And, like, uh, Kevin Nash kind of acted like Diesel, you know. And then, obviously, Hogan. Hogan just actually never really changed. He just started wearing black. Um, he, he's always been a dick. Um, but... Yeah, so that was the whole thing. But like, there's this moment where like, um, finally the the frustrations between Hall and Zabisco have reached uh, max, and like Hall goes to punch Larry, but Larry dumps him over the top rope, and like uh, Hall gets Luger up in the crucifix slam and stuff, and like it's just, uh, it's it's craziness. And then like uh, Hall goes to pin Luger after that, and Larry like gives a really like delayed labored three count because he doesn't want to do it, but he knows he has to, uh, but he watches a review uh, replay and reviews it and restarts the match because six interfered. Yeah. A bit of a dusty finish there a little bit. Yeah. Right? It's a dusty finish. Yeah. And so then they restart the match and Luger gets Hall up into the, into the torture rack and wins it with a very chaotic finish. So Yeah. This was a this was a doozy of a match, and I really almost wish it was just like Larry Zabisco versus Scott Hall. In <laughs> this match, this, this kind of makes me want to go back and like watch some Larry Zabisco matches. Maybe so that's one we, yeah. one we should uh, track down a little bit. Yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe without the ninja, maybe some of his AWA stuff or whatever. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, that guy's 
during this match, a fan screams at Lex Luger, you dyed your hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lex Luger looks like a million bucks. His hair looks like trash. Um, Dude's I, got wings of, of like ugh, deltoids and lats. Like he it's looks insane. like he has wings. He's, he's like fucking He-Man. He is yeah. He-Man. I'm so, it's so sad to see him these days, you know, sort of like very diminutive, very, uh, I don't know. Very small. Yeah. But nah, shit happens, right? He's lucky he's not in jail. So I, I guess and he's alive. So good for him. Yeah. So that one's probably also worth watching. Um, so, so far we've got Ray Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero is, you know, definitely four stars. Definitely watch that one. Kurt Henning versus Ric Flair, maybe what? Three stars, two and a half. Uh, yeah. Watch it if you're uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Lex Luger versus Larry Zabisco with a guest appearance by Scott Hall. <laughs> it's maybe a, a three <laughs> stars. So we got two matches to go. So we're kind of to a co-main event here. Um, the next one on the card is Randy Slim Jim Savage with Miss Elizabeth <laughs> uh, in hot pants versus Diamond Dallas Page. Good old DDP. What a guy. This is a Las Vegas sudden death match, so it's sort of a uh, what is? It? I guess you call this an I quit match. So more or it's less, a right? last man standing match. Last there's, man standing. No pins, yeah. no disqualification. You have to just knock your guy down and uh, get him ten count. So, yeah. So um, this is, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this match. Um, both these guys. You know, so Randy Savage in 1997 is not Randy Savage of 1987. I'll just I'll just put it that way. Um, this is the Macho Man from the first Spider Man movie. That's yeah. <laughs> that's who this is. Um, I'm not used to seeing Macho Man in this type of match where it's just mm-hmm. like no DQ and stuff like that. I'm just not used to it, and like that takes away a lot of how he used to work as a heel. Like a lot of that used to just be. You know, he would do dastardly things, grab the tights, got got a foreign object in the pants. Miss Elizabeth distracts, you know, or sensational Sherry distracts when he's healed, you know, but yep. he, none of that really works when there's no disqualifications. But, you know, it's still Macho Man. He's still he's still going. He's still good. And yeah. uh, DDP is pretty good in this match, too. He goes flying over the top rope on the Macho Man. Uh, they eventually take it out into the crowd. It took a while for them to leave the ring for this being a no disqualification match. It took them a long time. And then we've, we learn in this match that the set of tombstones and stuff like that are all made of styrofoam. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. not, it's not convincing that that is hurting anybody at all. No, Randy gets, gets uh body slammed onto a couple of the fake tombstones and they just explode into pieces. Like, like they're made out of Legos or something. Yeah. It's, not particularly convincing. No, it's like they just went through a bunch of beer coolers. It's it's, <laughs> it's kind of bad. Uh, yeah, there's this one great spot where Macho Man goes to uh, crack a DDP in the head with a with a camera, but he kicks the camera back at at Macho Man and lands that on his face. I thought that was a that was a good spot. And uh, eventually, Elizabeth just gets involved and just clocks the ref list like straight up and then starts choking DDP. But uh, someone named Kimberly comes out and intercepts and we get Dusty Rhodes screaming, cat fight, cat fight, cat fight, cat fight, cat fight over and over and over again. Dusty Rhodes loves cats. That's oh, my God. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know who Kimberly was. It doesn't 
probably matter. No, this is a very this is a different role for Miss Elizabeth than what we would have seen for her in the WWE for sure, right? Like she was always very demure, very uh, yeah. retiring, very uh, just kind of there to support her man, right? But never. Well, they're divorced at this point, I think. Physical. Actually. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. They were divorced by the first time they got married in the ring at WWE because <laughs> wrestling is fucking great. Yeah. Wrestling is great. Uh, but, like, apparently Macho Man always made sure that she had a job. Like, she yeah. was always there for her. So, mm-hmm. uh, way to go. Um, but, so, Macho Man lands a really desperate-looking elbow from the top rope, and then he lands the full elbow. Uh, at some point, another ref comes down, and DDP lands a cutter, the diamond cutter, and then, like, Savage uh, hits a low blow, and then, like, fake Sting shows up with a with a baseball bat and like does the worst baseball bat hit spot on ddp that you can imagine it's really and, bad and dusty says there's your next victim on er <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's supposed to be hogan under that fake sting yeah because it's like right? it's hogan's hogan's uh boots they spot yeah, hogan's you can boots. His, you can see his you can see his boots baby so stupid it's very stupid. <laughs> so Macho Man wins this one. Um, thanks for playing Diamond Dallas Page. Hope yeah. you enjoy your yoga practice where you will make more money than you ever did at wrestling. And then, you know, he gets to help uh, Jake the Snake kick his alcoholism. So everybody wins, you know. I mean, DDP helped a lo- has helped a lot of people. So he's a, will... he's a mensch. He's yeah. a good guy. I follow his uh is this his Twitter or his Instagram? Yeah, his Twitter is very inspirational, very it uplifting is, right? without being like uh, Jesus-y or anything like that. It's very nice. It's a good Twitter account to follow. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I I do need to love myself, DDP. Thank you. I guess I'll stop calling myself fat because I can't fit into my pants anymore. Anyway. Um, so, all right. We're down to the main event. Are you ready for the main event? Yeah. Straight out of 1985. <laughs> It is Rowdy Roddy Piper. The real first WrestleMania main event here. The real first WrestleMania. This is Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan uh, in the steel cage. Um, And it is the shittiest steel cage I've ever seen in my my goddamn life fuck did they get that thing like you know how like they always like the first thing especially when hogan is involved in a cage match the first thing they do is like the first wrestler grabs the cage and he shakes it so that you can see yeah like it kind of like convinces to the crowd the thing ripples like it's got a <laughs> like a wave like instead of like looking like an actual like cage that's like firm and could possibly hurt somebody the thing is given like two to three feet and hogan's like swaying like Okay, so that cage is crap. This cage is stupid. This is dumb. Yeah, it's, it's the Wish.com version of a steel cage. It's, it's yeah. not good. It's straight up not good. No. Uh, <laughs> and, it, you know, um, so Hollywood Hogan is doing his Hollywood Hogan thing. Piper looks pretty good, I got to say. Like, yeah, he's, he's looking all he's right. In, I mean, he's in shape. He's, he's ready to go. Here. Yeah, I think he's this old. is this is after his hip replacement too. So you know he's yeah he, he's 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 not quite as nimble, but you know he's still apparently from Scotland, according to <laughs> according to the ring announcement. Yeah, and this match is not for the championship. By the way, no, it's just because they hate each other, right? So Hogan is is the world champ at this point, and Piper has stolen the belt from him. But this is not a championship match, and it's kind of kind of weird. I don't know. It's <laughs> 
I don't know. It just felt weird. You have Hogan and Piper in a match and the title's not on the line. It's just, okay. You've, you've sucked out a lot of energy. Yeah, for sure. It's almost, I mean, it's, it's not almost, but it's entirely like, it's just sort of running on the fumes of their old rivalry, right? Like that's right. the whole, that's the whole purpose for this thing being here. Right. The um, rivalry that they had in a different company. <laughs> 10 uh, years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's this weird. Cause also hearkening back to that other company, they, they're making the announce. They're announcing this match as if, and Hogan is acting as if they leave the cage. The match ends. That that's right. how you win this match, and that's that's never been like how a WCW in NWA cage match has worked. The cage right. is there to keep you in and to keep you from going away. Uh, so getting out of the cage is not how you win. And it just doesn't make sense for, and like Hogan immediately starts trying to climb the cage. And then at one point Hogan goes out the door of the cage and they're like, Oh, but he didn't win because they both left at the same time. It's like they very much. So did not leave that cage at the same time. <laughs> uh, Piper was very clearly behind Hogan uh, when they went out of the cage. Just that's not the rules to the cage match. And then after they go back inside the cage, that's when you see the referee bust out the chain and the padlock and really lock the door to the cage. I kind of got a feeling they don't know what the fuck they're doing here. Like, no, (laughs) they they made a cage and they're like, um, Hey, what do you, do you want to do something with this cage? And we're like, uh, okay, cool. So, yeah. all right, too late. The special already started and we kind of need to wrestle now. It's <laughs> uh, happening. When they both, when they spill out of the cage through the door, there's a fan there screaming, he's Irish. He's Irish. Over and over. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I was like, so I don't know if like that, like that guy's like really old school racist or he's trying to just call out uh, Roddy Piper for not really being Scottish, but he thinks by calling him Irish, that would do it. He's Canadian. Uh, He's from Saskatoon. Dumbass. I don't know. I don't know what's happening there, but the dude has had uh, too many free drinks at the blackjack table and is screaming, he's Irish. Like, all right. Um, I'm going to do that at work next week. Like like, (laughs) somebody tries to talk and be like, he's Irish. That guy's Irish. They're going to send you to HR for being old fashioned racist. Like (laughs) no Irish, no dogs. Right. Uh, and then uh, I just like this match gets really confusing really quick. These guys are doing like these really bad cage bumps. Like they're acting like they've hit the cage really hard, but like no one's bleeding. No, nothing's happening. It's very clear that the, that the hand is in the way of blocking their heads from hitting the cage. And at one point after, after um, Hogan gets out of the cage and starts taking off and, and a, a sting shows up. And backs Hogan back. And that's when uh, Dusty delivers another golden line of Hogan is disorientated. <laughs> that's true. He is disorientated. Disorientated. And then a second sting shows up. And then a third sting shows up. And then a fourth sting shows up. And a fifth sting shows up. That's too many stings. Not sure if any of them are actually sting. I don't think they are. I think sting no. was- uh, I think Sting was in another state altogether. That's what I think. And then fucking maniac, macho man, Randy Savage <laughs> runs out oh to God. the ring, climbs to the top of the cage. People he climbs. This is macho man in 1997. He climbs to the top of the cage 
and he Jimmy Snuka's down onto on trying to hit Piper, but misses and hits Hogan. And then Piper spins Hogan into the sleeper hold and in a very anticlimactic way wins the match over Hogan in a cage with a sleeper hold. And then the real bullshit happens and a uh, a fan, a planted fan. It's very clear that it's a plant. Yeah. Scales the cage like goddamn Spider-Man and tries to tries to fight the NWO himself. <laughs> so look, uh, just just to back up just a sec. So uh, Randy Savage was born in 1952. That means in 1997, he was 45. I am 45 years old. If I climbed that cage and tried to jump off and land on my feet, I would I would probably de- be deceased. Yeah, I'd be hosting this by myself. <laughs> I would not only not be walking, I would not be living. So anyway, good job, Randy. But it didn't it didn't really help. And yes, fake fan climbs a cage. He's got sting makeup on. At first I thought it was a sting mask. Uh, and then they kind of start whooping on him and the the mask starts sort of peeling off. And I, I decided or realized it was actually face paint and not a mask. Um, and like the announcers are going crazy. There's a fan in the ring and they're beating him up. They need to get him off. Look how hard. Like it's all done just to try and generate extra heat on Hulk Hogan because it's now Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hollywood Hogan is beating on a fan. He's fighting the fans now even. No, that's, uh, that fan jumped in the ring and... <laughs> That's how much of a jerk face Hollywood Hawk Hogan is. He'll beat on a fan. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't really translate very well. Um, and no. because it's very clear that it's fake because of one, how athletic that fan is to get over <laughs> that massive cage. And two, it's very clear that Hogan is throwing his classically horrible fake punches. They're just not landing. They're not doing anything. They're, they're terrible. Yeah. And like one of the fake stings has him pinned down with his baseball bat. And, you know, and I've read that it's macho man is famous for wanting to beat the shit out of fans that get involved in the show. Like he looks forward to it. He wants them to jump the rail. And the fact that macho man isn't really trying to kill this guy. Right. It's, it's not real. It's definitely not real. This is just a stunt to try and get more heat on Hogan and it's not working. It's not good. It's bad. It looks terrible. And suddenly the show goes off the air and there's it just fucking ends. It just, just fucking credits. ends. Yeah. No, I, so I Googled, I was watching this and I'm like, Oh, is that, did a fan really jump in there? And some people were like, Oh, it was a fan question mark. And some people were like a fake fan jumped in. Some people were like, Oh, it was definitely a real fan, but no, I'm, I'm with you that like, because I, yeah, Macho Man would have just stomped a fucking. He he just would have flattened his head with his boots. Like there, that guy would not have been able to have been let out of there at all. Um, that was definitely a fake fan. What a what a weird ending to a weird event. <laughs> yeah, this was not a great event. I mean, there's some like real there's some real highlights. There's some amazing talents here. Uh, overall, it was put together very clunkily, I would say. But I mean, I'm glad we watched it, but just, just to see some of the folks involved. But like overall, it was yeah, yeah, hmm, it wasn't great. If I had to watch all of this to get to the Rey Mysterio Eddie Guerrero match, I would. So I'm not, I'm not gonna super hate on this show. I was entertained through the large majority of this whole show. 
Um, so entertainment value. Yeah, this is, this is good. This was, this was, we've watched worse. We've watched way worse. (laughs) Yeah. I would agree. 2011. We've watched way worse. So are you saying my, we were there episode on capital punishment was not as good as this. I I refuse to believe it. The episode is fine that we did the actual show that we had to watch to create that episode. Yeah, that's fair. Shit. Total shit. Total, total shit. How do you think I feel? I was there. I know. I feel bad that you spent like money for tickets for that. I know. And I my mm. speaking of really bad shows, my Facebook just reminded me that like today was like the anniversary of the I think it was No Mercy that had the um Brock Lesnar versus Undertaker in the in the biker chain match and it had uh, Vince McMahon versus Stephanie McMahon in a um I quit match. Jesus, um, and I read, and someone had posted that a little interesting tidbit about that. That was um, at that time, Maryland, the Maryland Athletic Commission was still regulating professional wrestling, and they prohibited intergender matches. So Vince wasn't supposed to be a, legally allowed to wrestle his daughter. So Vince actually paid the fine in advance and did it anyway. Wow, because he loves his daughter that much. <laughs> he wanted to beat the <laughs> shit out of her on TV. Yeah, I'm saying. Are you saying we should watch that one next? No, Jesus, I don't want to watch that show again. <laughs> um, but I mean, if we have to for the podcast, then we have to. But this um, is the kind of dedication we have to our fans. Yeah. They're like, yeah. listen, we need to hear you talk about terrible wrestling shows. Yeah. <sighs> uh, I mean, you know, but this match, the, the, the Hogan Piper match, you know, it's honestly made hogan look older than what he was at this point may it made piper look a little younger than what he was at this point but hogan was disorientated and uh macho man's a maniac i mean this is this is this is what you can draw from this this last match is that macho man is a maniac wcw is really bad at faking spontaneous things and um he's irish he's irish he's irish (laughs) so so irish you guys (laughs) <laughs> so I think I feel like we're going to both come down on uh, the same side on the best match, which is Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very close between that and Lex Luger versus Scott Hall was Larry's. Yeah. It's it's close, but uh, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero didn't need any gimmicks to be an excellent and amazing match. So uh, <laughs> that's where my my money's going. Scott Hall versus Larry Zabisco would have taken that one in a walk, but you know, too bad. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's probably not worth picking a worse match. Yeah. I mean, I'm mm. I, for, for me, worst match was going to be Steve McMichael versus Alex, Wright. Yeah. I don't remember enough of it to even make a call. So sure. Yeah. Um, did you have an, Oh shit moment? I mean, I think for me, it was Randy Savage fucking scale in the cage and jumping off and trying to cripple himself. Uh, but there's, yeah. a, there's, some other ones until that moment my oh shit moment was when larry zabisco dumped scott hall over the top rope <laughs> uh, yeah that's when i was like oh shit it's getting real this is great uh, but then um macho man climbing to the top of the cage and jumping made me turn on the caps lock on my phone to take the note <laughs> so i think nice. that has to win it that has yeah. to win it what a maniac i'm glad he survived that you know oh my um, god what a nutcase <sighs> So overall, this is this was a this is a pretty fun pay per view. I'm glad we got a chance to watch it again. It's uh it's worth it. 
you know, for the fans, obviously, and for also my favorite holiday ever. Uh, are you thinking about your Halloween costume yet for uh, for this year? No, I don't even know what I'm going to wear tomorrow. I Ugh, can't. Lame. Yeah. I know. So lame. I don't know what I'm going to wear either. I have kind of an important job now, so I can't just, like, wear a fucking yeah. nun's costume or, like, a Dorothy from Wizard of Oz like I would have in the past. People would judge me. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll paint a big star on my belly and wear a loincloth and go as Kamala. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm just so pasty white that you wouldn't even see the white star and moon painted on me. You wouldn't see it. So you'd be an amazing Kamala. Do a reverse Kamala. Do a star. Do the star in black. Inverse do Kamala. It. That's me. Oh, holy shit. That would be fucking incredible. <laughs> Plus side, you get to wear a loincloth to work. Yeah. Just saying. Or I could just get a pith helmet and, and a ski mask and go as a, as a kimchi. It's kimchi. Maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It's too bad. We're not uh, close to each other anymore. I could do kimchi and you could do Kamala and we could go together. <laughs> and just slap Dude. my belly and yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. We'd break in so much candy. Oh my God. Oh That'd my be God. incredible. We'd get arrested as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's <sighs> funny. Oh, it's late. We don't usually record this late. It's, no, uh, this is great. And you don't <sighs> normally have this many beers into you. Oh, I had so many beers, you guys. <laughs> Listen, fans. If you like this episode, let us, let us know. And I will try to drink this many beers before the next one. <laughs> There's one thing that Virginia does well. It's uh, it's the breweries. Well, I mean, if you're going to live south, you got to drink. That's you got to drink. That's just how it is. Yeah, you got to be. Yeah. I mean, you got all those Navy guys down around where you are. You know, you have even more Navy guys there than we have here. Um, so alcohol has to flow plentiful. Um, I don't know. Yeah, do you so, guys even have potable water down there? Is that why you have to have so much beer? No, I just I had to boil everything. Um, <laughs> So this uh, this episode is brought to you by Benchtop Brewing's West Coast Rippin' Freshies. Fresh Hop India Pale Ale with a 7.0% ABV. I Catch just it. ripped the freshie. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't uh, know what that means. No, I mean, we should. Uh, they should sponsor us now. Uh, please sponsor us. They have to. West Go Coast. and leave about 200 of our business cards in their tasting room and then tell them that they have to sponsor us because we mentioned them on the air now. Look, I'm going to tell you, so there's a lot of breweries here in the greater Tidewater region in Norfolk, Virginia, but uh, the uh, Benchtop Brewing is uh, is extra special to me. They have a sort of experimental approach to beer. They do all kinds of crazy stuff. They had a Roadhouse-themed beer, and you guys know how much I love Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse. They had a beer called the Double Juice, aka like the Double Deuce, but like with juice. It was delicious. They uh, they know what they're doing down there. Benchtop Brewing. Uh, anyways, th- back to the wrestling. Uh, oh right, I did enjoy watching the show, and um, yeah, it's a fun it's a fun one. It's a good Halloween Halloween show, just because <laughs> you know all the fake stings that show up, and you know they're spooky, scary, and Slim Jim. <laughs> so I left this one uh, play as I was finishing up my my notes and stuff this afternoon, and it rolled Peacock rolled right on to uh, Halloween Havoc 1998, which of course is the very famous one with Hogan and uh, Ultimate Warriors rematch. 
Um, and I didn't Jesus get Christ. I know, I know. I didn't get to that match, but um, I will say the production values and the stage, like crazy skull guy, is uh, much improved for ninety eight. Yeah. So maybe I don't. Know, maybe I'll keep watching. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think you would get a kick out of a lot of the WCW stuff from that time period because it's wrestling still. It's not. It's not sports entertainment. It's wrestling. Uh, as always, we'd like to just take a moment um, before we wrap up to pay tribute to the men and women that we've seen who are no longer with us. So our in-memoriam section for Halloween Havoc 1997 includes Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Dusty Rhodes, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Mean Gene Okerlund, Kurt Hennig, Scott Hall, Randy Macho Man Savage, Miss Elizabeth, and Eddie Guerrero. Again, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate your questions, your comments. Shoot them to us at uh, allthewrestlemanias.com, uh, on email at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com, on Twitter at WrestlemaniaPod. You can find us on your favorite social media networks at All the WrestleManias on Facebook or Instagram. And we love hearing from you. We love your questions, your comments, your requests. Uh, we'll try to try to get to them as, as quickly as we can, so we appreciate that. But I think for now, we're going to wrap up. And I am Tim. And I'm Rich. Saying so long, everybody. Bye.